G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at ya with the great man in tow, J-Lo, who joins me once again on a Wednesday edition of the Sports Me Pod. Plenty to talk about. AFL finals are here, the AFL awards have been handed out, and most importantly, the Sports by Fry AFL awards have been handed out. So I released an article earlier this week talking about some of the major accolades, looking at the Offensive Player of the Year, the most improved. I made two, yes, two All-Australian teams. So I'll throw the link to that article in the show notes. Cast your eyes over that. Obviously, the, like I said, AFL awards have officially been announced. Everything other than the Brownlow and the goal slash mark of the year have concluded. So Dacos deserve the rising star. Cool to see Andy Brayshaw get the MVP as well. I think JLo and I will discuss him multiple times on this episode, especially talking about some of our future picks for 2023 in fantasy. I ended the fantasy season with not a flurry, but a flutter. At least I was still kicking and I still had some pulse, let's say, because it was testing times post buys for the large fries and coke. But JLo and I talk about how our teams ended the fantasy season, talk about a couple of picks and players who intrigue us moving into next year, did a little bit of a preview through uh, week one of the finals, and then we dove into the central division, talking about the Bucks, the Pacers, the Pistons, the Cavs and the Bulls, they all got their five minutes of fame, and then we capped it off with another epic Mount Rushmore, this time looking at MVP contenders for the 2022-23 season. So, rip a sports be episode for you. Let's waste no more time and dive right in. Wednesday sit down, time to uh do a lap around the globe and talk sports with the great man. How you doing on the second last Wednesday of August, JLo? Oh, well, now you've told me it's the second last Wednesday of August. Not so good. Mm. Where's the year no, no, gone? I had to break but it to you. Otherwise, good, mate. Uh, had a couple of red wines tonight. So going to be a, a fun little podcast, I think. Great podcast. Good little buzz. Uh, yeah. Where's your fantasy thoughts sit out with regards to your 2022 season? Because the year's done and dusted now. It's been a very topsy-turvy year for the large fries and coke. I know the Quasplorkin boys uh, were originally on the back foot, but fought for a pretty reasonable rank in the end. Uh, how do you f- think the 2022 fantasy experience went? You happy? Unsatisfied? Can't complain. It's my, yeah. probably my best finish ever, so, which is I thought it might have been. sad. Yeah, I think it probably was. So, um, yeah, look, learnt some stuff. Um it's some things went right, some things went wrong, and that's the way the footy fantasy footy crumble cookie crumbles life. It is quite so, often how it I'll take crumbles. It. Uh I I'm glad that I made a little bit of ground towards the last couple of weeks because I was just consistently going backwards. Mm. But I realized I was kind of just buying into the mainstream narrative, chased a lot of big point totals. Like I brought Sinclair in the week after he went off. I think it did the same with Tim English after he came back from his injury issues. So probably just needed to stick to my guns and my conviction a bit more. Cause on the weekend I brought in blokes like Bungahern and someone that you teased a couple of weeks ago, Ollie Wines, and they both were good. Both had like pretty much one average of one twenty between the two of them. So yeah, ended with a bang finished, uh, with a rank of five and a half thousand, 
scored 2290. How'd, uh, how'd you end up? Uh, <clears throat> oh, that's a really good question. You know, what? I think I just, um, once it, once the last game finished, I just didn't look. Oh, didn't I finished that. Uh, I went backwards this week. Nine, six, four, four. Still cracked the top 10. A, yeah, I'll take it. I was hoping for the top eight. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, 21.52 to finish. Lots of disappointment in the back line. Uh, midfield was fine. Ooh, fair bit of disappointment in the forward line. Mm. Uh, you know, so it's just it's how the how the year goes. But, um, yeah, my best finish, uh, I think, ever. I could be wrong, but I think that's probably my best finish ever. And uh, onwards and upwards to next year. I'm glad we've got a few months off, though. Thank God. Yeah, I've got a couple of uh, content pieces in the chamber for mid-price blokes you might want to look at for next year. We'll talk about a couple Already? of other targets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the chamber. Ooh. That doesn't mean I'm going to post them, you know, okay. tomorrow. But, yeah, when it, it usually opens the week before Christmas. So when we get closer to, I'll just uh, just give the fantasy coaches a bit of sprinkling. But, okay. yeah, I think, like I said, relatively happy with the way that I ended the last fortnight or so. But. I'll be very interested to see what the trade period unearths as well. There's a lot of rumors mm. around Brody Grundy, Carl Amon, maybe not for a classic coach, but there'll be some pieces that move and slide to make things interesting. You can actually check out your history as well on the fantasy page. They've got like a season's history tab. And there was a bloke, I forget his name. I'm pretty sure his Twitter handle is something Gibbo, but he, you know, you do Spotify wrapped each year. Yes. He did exactly the same thing, but for fantasy and you put in like a little URL code of your display picture and it basically reveals like your most traded in blokes or the guys that started with that finished with the best instant reward, the blokes you traded out and went bang and all sorts of other interesting shit. So check that out if you haven't, but uh, okay, yeah, I'm interested to see how the off season unfolds because I've already started looking at a couple of blokes for 2023. So is there anyone that just springs to mind? I know this is a little bit sadistic from a fantasy standpoint, but we will probably go straight off the boil and not talk fantasy footy throughout the finals or for next month or so. So just put it on record. Is there anyone for 2023 that you've already got a little bit of a sniff at? Like, you know what? Might need to consider them for my starting squad. Right. Darcy Parrish. Yes. Oh, Okay. Yeah, Darcy Parrish, I reckon, is um, one of those blokes who's got one of the highest fantasy ceilings, and I feel like he really got rolling. He was flying at the start of this year, got a lot of 40 disposal games, just racks them up. Um, so Darcy Parrish finished in my team, and I think he'll um, probably start in there. We're, I was having a little chat to Kizza, uh, Price housemate, for anyone who doesn't know Kizza. Um, shout out to Kizza. Probably on Thursday. Be, yeah. Yeah, kids, and we were talking about who are the guys that come in next year that you know you're sort of under the radar, and mm. we definitely brought up Chad Warner. Um, yeah, he's a guy I'd be very interested in next year. Um, just trying to think who are the other crew, like sort of those mid prices. I reckon Nos Anderson might be a a sniff next year, mm. starting the midfield. Um, and you know, as those forwards fall out, like you don't probably don't expect many of the doggies to start with forward status next season. They might not as many as had it. You'd think same with the backman. Like, uh, let's have a look. Crispy won't have it. Uh, Jaden short 
mightn't have it. So you all of a sudden mm. you're like, Fuck, who's who's in there? So we were kind of having a little little powwow. I thought, depending on, and I wouldn't bring him in at the start, but Mason Redmond, he he goes off for some fantasy yeah, scores. Okay. So if he's kicking in, I'll have a little look at him. Wouldn't mind seeing where Carl Amon lands. But, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting starting next season with all these these backmen out and all these forwards out. Where the hell do you go? But I reckon Darcy Parrish is the first one that jumps to my mind. That's a pretty good list of characters to keep half an eye on over the preseason. There's a couple of blokes you mentioned that intrigue me. And I think a lot of those midfielders, you're Warner, you're Parrish to a certain extent. Uh, you could say you're Luke Davies Uniac. Priced at 93. Oh, yeah. He's another yeah. like lower 90s average that could be ready to pop. A lot of fantasy coaches traditionally chase what they call the third year breakout. For some, it comes in mm. year four. Andy Brayshaw might be in his fourth year right now. So, you know, there's times where they just kind of click burst onto the scene. And I think Davis Uniac's one of them. Uh, Warner and Anderson are also very much in that mold. Carl yeah. Amon. I don't know. Like I said, he might be a good draft pick. Uh, Connor Rosie is another interesting one that we want to keep an eye on. I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, Dominic Sheed though after his year off due to injury because he's been a uh, yeah. he's been someone that I probably will keep in my uh, keeper league. I'm a bit torn. He'll probably be the 11th out of 11, but yeah. he looks like he's ready for a bounce back year. Hopefully, he becomes a bit injury discounted as well. You know, if he's priced sure. at a 70, fuck, that's Money for jam. Uh, Walshie and Jack McRae are two premiums that have probably slipped a little bit from what we expected. They're usually, given their profile and their talents, you'd think they'd be one ton, 110 plus, no dramas, but both slipped under 105 this year. Out of those two, I know how you feel about McRae's uh, disposal efficiency and use of the football, but who entices you more as a fantasy pick? Let's say you pick, I don't know, Took. Brayshaw, Clayton as your M1. You might want to go for a dart throw at one of these blokes as your second midfield spot. So who intrigues you the most out of those two? Uh, probably Walshy. I, I would have started the year with him if not mm. for Syndesmosis. Um, and he did. He was pretty good. He sort he of was. tailed off a little bit towards the end, pretty much when you brought him in. Um, oh, no, he was good for a while. He was all right. Yeah, I got him. I got him round nine-ish, I think, from memory. So he did his Walshy type thing. Yeah, so I'd probably be inclined to go with Walshy, but you know what? I, I respect J-Mac from a fantasy perspective, mm. not from a actual football perspective. Gets mm. a lot... Oh, sorry. No, that's that's too harsh. Gets a lot of the footy, which is, you know, averaging 30 touches at AFL level is bloody unbelievable. Doesn't happen by accident. I just don't like his disposal. So uh, to be honest, there's a chance I start with both of them if they're discounted. There's a chance yeah. I start with both because J Mac we know is a a genuine fantasy stud. So. Yeah, can't really go past that. I mean, I think I side with you, Walshy over McRae, but Crips could almost be a bit underpriced. I'm just looking at a couple of the random names I got on my list. Hayden Young and Christian Salem were two that I had potentially as breakouts in the back line. Salem had a pretty injury infected year. You could say the same with mm. Aaron Hall. Uh, Jacob Hopper, if he finds a new spot, could be an interesting one. Like had an injury interrupted year as well. If he leaves the Giants, there's recent rumors saying he's going to Geelong. Could be worth the. And sniff also, I guess 
with the July, uh, GWS exits, potential mm. exits, that does open the gate for Tom Green to play True. a lot of footy. A lot It'll of be a 105 he guy. A, he started really well. So mm. definitely, I think he's only priced at like 550 now or 570. Like he's really low. Um, Average of 85. How, yeah, how hot he started. So maybe, maybe a, a greenie. The Giants score well. We do know this. So. I think in the ruck department, the big one that everyone's talking about is going after Roe Marshall. I know a lot of people maybe uh, butt hurt after the way he ended the fantasy season, but I think if he's solo ruck or somewhere thereabouts, going for him makes a lot of sense, uh, provides mm. a bit of value. He's only priced in the low 90s from memory. And the same for Brody Grundy. I know that there's some coaches who are a bit divided over him. Uh, for what it's worth, Tom Green going into his fourth fantasy season. So he had a bit of a breakout this year, but wouldn't be shocked if he continued that. Uh, and then a couple of forwards just to round it off. I talked about Rosie, uh, Tim Taranto, if he goes to Collingwood and is a pure inside midfielder, he could be a 110 plus guy. Wouldn't rule that out. Yeah. Probably lose forward status though, like you said. Uh, but this bloke, I don't think he will lose forward status. I reckon we need to keep a little bit of an eye on Shay Bolton. He was named a top five, uh, MVP candidate by his peers at tonight's awards ceremony. Uh, you've mentioned it a couple of times in person. I'm sure you've mentioned it on the record of the pod as well, but Jay Bolton may be the most exciting and best player to potentially build your team around. That's not a midfielder. And he's obviously increasing his midfield reps. He, you know, had near 80 plus 85 shots on goal this year. He was right up there in goal assists, made the all Oz squad, Made the all team, spoiler alert. But uh, yeah, Shea Bolton wouldn't shock me if he had a big fantasy season as well. Average of 74. Uh, could, mm. Can I tempt you with some Shea but Bolton? Not to start the season. Not to start nah. the season. Oh, just because of the way almost all Richmond players score. You know, mm. I feel like that's a bit of a limiting factor. I don't think I've had a, other than Short, whose role has changed and is not, anywhere near as tempting now as a midfielder, which True. sounds wrong. Um, but yeah, since Basher Hooley, I haven't had anyone. And pre-Basher, I don't reckon I had a Richmond player either. So I I agree. I think he's probably the most... Oh, mate, I might even rate him in my top five in the whole AFL well, as a player. Um, so, you know, and if you put a gun to me, I might even say number one, honestly. He's that good. He's that impactful. But I wouldn't. Not not yet. Not yet for. But week if he has hundred and ten in week one, you watch me bring him straight in, mate. Don't you worry about it. I'll I'll be all aboard the Shea Bolton hype train. Fantasy, let's go. If he did kick, if he didn't kick, I don't know, forty behinds, mm. that might have changed things. But he does have some weird uh, goal to behind scoring games, like two goals, five and stuff like that. So I think just, he just is wait. just, uh, he is the quintessential example of a bloke that like a couple of times he'll try and kick goal of the year. You know what I mean? Like he'll oh, yeah. take a couple of blokes on, won't give off the handball and he'll try a crazy snap over his head. And you're like, ah, oh, you probably should have just given the extra one to such and such. With that said though, he is one of the more unselfish blokes. Like, there's a lot of times I've seen him like 30 meters out running to open goal and you'll just handball it off yeah, to true. Tom Lynch. Or, so, yeah, I'll push back a little bit. 
you know, he kicks half of them. So half of those goal of the year attempts. So he does. He's, He's a special, special talent. He's special. Uh, like I said, he was rewarded with a all Australian blazer jersey Good blazer this yeah. evening. Uh, have you had a look at the official team yet, or nah? Yeah, I just had a quick squeeze. I wanted to see if Tommy Barris made it, so did have a look. Yep. Well, uh, unfortunately, as per usual, death taxes and on ballers being named in the half forward flank and in the wing are uh, certainties in life. And that uh, it's good to see that that did not continue. Oh no, wait. We got Callum Mills in the wing. We got Turk Miller in the wing. We got Christian yeah. Petrarca on the half forward flank. Uh, I didn't actually hate the bench picks, but I'm like, why? Why not just put? I don't know, Heaney or Rosie on a half forward flank because they probably played more footy there than a Petrarca type. I was trying to manifest a bit of Tommy Barras into the All-Australian team. Uh, I think he probably deserved the honours over Stephen May. Maybe it's a bit of West Coast bias. Probably is. Or Tom Stewart even. maybe. Yeah, like, he's another one. I mean... He's still a lot of footy. Braden Maynard. Braden Maynard, anyway. actually, the pick I can get behind. Uh, yeah. Oh, I can I can see it. Yeah. Don't know if I, I don't fully know. anyway, but that's all right. You'll never make a bloody AFL all Australian team that people are happy with. I'll be honest. I tried to do uh, my best making a team and there were some tough omissions. If uh you haven't seen Sportsby listeners, I dropped an AFL awards article earlier in the week. Uh tried to go with a little bit of an American type flavor you know i gave a couple mm-hmm. of awards out that aren't usually recognized in the afl uh i reckon quickly because we don't have tons left on the footy slate but i reckon we go through a couple of these picks uh do it i won't spend long talking rookie of the year that was nick dacos and coach of the year was craig mccray i think collingwood's had a ripper year they both deserve that justin longmuir could maybe be a sniff for Frio for coach of the year but i think nah, those two are pretty nah. clear cut right uh, I agree. Craig McRae in a landslide for me. So, yeah. Especially considering where they were last year. Unreal job by him. Um, Phenomenal. And I think Collingwood's entire coaching staff, like they got Lepar, and I want to say they got Brendan Bolton as well, yeah. which, you know, it's a lot. All I've heard from interviews from playing group and, you know, I'm going off some small sample size from the awards night tonight. But yeah, they talk highly of that Collingwood group. Uh, defensive player of the year. I went with Sammy Taylor from GWS. I think for mine, probably pipped, like I said, I'm a big Tommy Brass fan, but I think there was Tommy Brass and Stephen May, whisper of daylight, and then Sammy Taylor. I think he was the best one-on-one defender, right up there yeah. for spoils, right up there for intercept marks, and deserves the title of Defensive Player of the Year. Oh, I think I'm happy with that. Um there's no one yeah, that springs um, to mind over him, right? Yeah, not not really. I'm just trying to think of. I mean, you. Just, I'm looking at the All Oz team. Yeah, I'll pay Sammy Taylor. I reckon yeah. he was unreal in one-on-one matchups. Phenomenal, buddy player. The GWS have had a history of fantastic big defensive, big big defensive players. Like yeah, key that's defensive true. Players. Nick Haynes, unreal. Phil Davis, unreal. Sammy Taylor stepped right up. So. At least they got one bloody player in the all Oz. It's about all <laughs> yeah, they deserve. Glass half full. Uh, offensive player of the year went with Tommy Hawkins. Second in the league in goal assists to Christian Petrarca. Kicked a shitload of goals. Kicked a shitload of points. Played in a great team. So, you know, there's some benefit to being in a Geelong side. But 
he just pipped Christian Petrarca and the likes of Shea Bolton at the post for mine. Yeah, it's a that's a it's a lot harder to give out the offensive player of the year. Mm. And obviously you're looking at forwards, but you could you could probably make a case for like the Shea Bolton's goal kicking sort of mids, but you could also like you could argue whoever got the most meters gained or you know, it's a yeah, it's a fair. really it's a tricky one. But um I'm not unhappy with Tom Hawkins. Um pretty deserving. And he's he's had a good night. He's obviously had a very good night, old Tommy Hawkins, the skipper. Has. Yeah. If you go off uh score involvements for the entire year, so that's goals, points, goal assists, yep. a couple of other factors. Hawkins was one with one ninety one. Petrarca was second at one eighty seven. And Bolton was third at 169, which I think is a pretty fair. And then Jeremy Cameron very close after that. I think it's a fairly fair reflection of who had the most offensive impact. Uh, Most improved player. Players alongside Tommy Hawkins. I said this was Shabert Bolton. I did look a little bit at going with someone like Kitty Coleman or Will Brody, who's been in the system for a while and stepped up to play a bigger role. Brody, obviously, he's benefited from a change of scenery, much like Stengel, but Stengel only kicked 15 goals in his entire career before this year. And now he's an all Australian forward pocket. Kicked 48 majors, 46 rather on the year. Uh, Second to Charlie Cameron from small forward. So I think this was another pretty clear cut award. Yeah. uh, To be honest, I find Geelong so boring. I didn't watch much of them this year. Um, So I didn't get to see Stengel outside of the, couple of sort of little maybe if i had a big fantasy matchup didn't even watch them play west coast i don't think definitely didn't watch that last round so i, mm. I i'm hesitant to comment whereas you know mm. some of the other like i've watched a lot of will Brody, and boy he was impressive um that would have been a coin flip for me i think i like the tyson stengel story better yeah much okay. better um so i probably would have given it to him on narrative alone but um yeah, I could have maybe lent towards Will Brody if I'm being honest. But um, love to see Stengel doing his thing down there. The Cats just uh, as the best franchise that I've seen in probably any sport at recycling players and turning them into something. They do you know do who they are? Job. They're the San Antonio Spurs. They're boring oh, right. to watch. They're always pretty good. You know, they're around the mark. They probably haven't got as many chips as the Spurs had or a big three, but you know what I mean? Like you just kind of get, you don't watch a lot of Spurs basketball or I didn't anyway, back in the days, other than the playoffs, I was like, oh yeah, they're just pencil them in for 15 wins. They're going to be in the top three ish. Yeah. Probably not going to have their final at Cadinia Park. You know, there's. I'll pay it. I'll pay it. It's not your best, but I'll pay it for sure. See where you're going with it. Uh, There was a couple of other awards I handed out. I made a, all Australian first and second team. There was a few people who were left out of the squad. Uh, no offense meant to Brennan Cox, but I thought that other people deserved mention. So you can check them out. I did my goal of the year and mark of the year picks, but the last one I want to talk through, Oh, need to give special mention to uh, the newest MVP of the league, Andrew Brayshaw, uh, future well club captain and large fries and Coke M1 next year, probably. Um, yeah. Fantasy player of the year. So I, over the course of the entire season and the link to the entire vote spreadsheet is uh, on this article that I'll throw in the show notes, but I gave my fantasy player of the year award to Rory Laird. 
So I've been counting on a five, four, yeah. three, two, one system, the top scorers in each game. So in 20, uh, 18 of his 20 games this year, Roy Laird polled votes. He was one of the top five scorers in the game and he outpaced Brayshaw and Cal Mills for the award. But you could argue that there were fantasy players who were more valuable and more quintessential to team success. Like you didn't have Roy Laird in your team by the end of the year, right? No, that boy would have loved him. Yeah, it would have been handy. But over the weekend, yeah. you made the case potentially for another fantasy MVP in the form of Josh Dunkley. So he was probably, outside of Nick Dacos, the most popular player of the season. Probably stayed in yep. 60-ish percent of teams for the entire year. So make the case. Why should we pick Dunks over Roy Laird? Uh, well, I need the stats up in front of me, but uh, I just well, think... I get them for you. I think I because... I think we give him the MVP because everyone had him at the start mm-hmm. and he just didn't let us down. Like didn't once let us down, came out the gates pretty well, got the 103, 112, but then just went bang, had uh, averaged 125 for the next five games, had that one stinky 62. But outside of that, and his, he had a little slip around 17, 18, but he's gone like sat very comfortably in the 105 average mark. He just gave us value all year. Um, finished strong, 132. I mean, his last five games, he would have averaged, what's that, uh, 110? You yeah. know, like, and he just sat there all year. I, I really think I would have given it to Dunks for the fact that we all had him. I think any, any I couldn't imagine a, a fantasy coach who finished in front of me not having dunks. It would be a very rare case. And he's just produced all year. Could have switched in and out of the midfield for us if we wanted to chase a row marshal or yeah. I, I definitely see what you're saying with Lady. Like he probably top scored in more games than dunks and mm-hmm. so so did um Brace and who else was up there? Cal Mills. Clayton. Oh um, Cal Mills. That they're yeah, all great, Clayton. but people didn't People just didn't have them as much. I think Dunkley would have been my MVP, but all very deserving, Brace or Lady mm. or Cal Mills or Clayton. Yeah, but fair. I think Dunks' consistency for for the most people um, was pretty special. He, uh, I'm actually just looking at the ownership percentages now. So Dacos was one of two players to finish the season in more than 50% of teams. James Sicily close at 46. You got Gorn and McRae at 45, but Dacos was 51%. And then Josh Dunkley was 70%. So sat in pretty much every coach's team. And those people that had him wouldn't have been too disappointed. Like I said, Laird, did do really well in the games he did play. Missed a couple through suspension, but. If you go on total points, Lady only finished 14, 15 points ahead of Dunkley. And he played every bloody game for fantasy coaches. So, yeah, yeah, I can see it. It's a, uh, it's a valid argument. So, hey, I guess Thanks, we'll man. have to, uh, over Christmas and over the offseason, talk about more of the relevant fantasy players. But let's look at the next month ahead very quickly because I don't think I'll be doing a sports pod next week. Uh, got some footy coaching obligations in the big smoke. So drop your predictions for round one of the AFL finals. Cause the field set 
Uh, Carlton, if you're just tuning in, they missed the top eight by 0.5%. Uh, I know that this may be the first time that you're hearing this news, Carlton fans. So just, you know, take a moment to absorb that. Uh, the fact that they lost to Collingwood by a point in probably one of the best games I've watched in a long time, if not the best. Yeah. Not, yeah, I was uh, arguing with uh, Sammy Christo, another uh, much-loved member of the Sports Be Friends community. Do you reckon it's the best footy game other than the 2018 grand final you've watched? Yep. Or, the to be honest, the 06 granny was pretty good too. True. Um, I, There was a good prelim last year, wasn't there? Doggies-Lions. Mm, that was a one-pointer. But this was fantastic, like heart stopping and it was just so much on the line. No, it's, uh, it's not a final, but boy, it was, it like, was an elimination final of essence. Yeah. And what it, what it meant for Carlton to do it, if they'd if they did get there and they, oh man, that, that was a, a fucking, a fumbling of the bag of the highest order. So, um, yeah, great call. I'm sorry, Carlton fans. I got to be honest. I was kind of rooting for it because I think it's <laughs> a bit funny, um, in a sort of sadistic way, but yeah, boy, ripper game. And, um, who else would it have been, but Jamie Elliott to fucking yeah. drive the stake through old Paddy Cripps heart. But and I tell you what, Carlton lost that game. They yeah. should have won that game. And, you know, like, I think it was Doherty's kick into the forward pocket. You're just like, mate, what oh, the f- Oh, it was, yeah, Durden. I think Doherty had one earlier, though. He kicked out on the full. That's right. Mm. And you just like, you just needed one fucking point, guys. Like, one point. Anyway, so we it won't... It was the har- second uh, week in a row that there was a Sunday footy show. Or it wasn't Sunday footy show, sorry. But there was a footy on nine bit with Kane Corns just talking about how Carlton let four points slip. And you point to like the dirt and one, the dock kick out of bounds a couple of weeks ago against Melbourne. It was, you know, three blokes going up to spoil Mitch McGovern trying to like just float, you know, it's just continuously these poor Carlton bastards had something mm. that tripped them up. So, hey, Collingwood get top four chance as a result and they will get to take on the Geelong Cats uh, Saturday Arvo at the G. Uh, just quickly, use the sports by Fry stat. Uh, Nick Dacos, now officially the Rising Star Award winner, has the second most disposals ever of someone in their debut season. Can you guess who's number one on the list? Uh, it's Toby Green, isn't it? No, nah, he's third or fourth. Uh, Reese Palmer? No, nah, I think Toby Green, in your defense, may have had the highest average, but from okay. memory, he only played 20 games in his debut season. Barlow? No, nah, and you know what? You're out of guesses because uh, you're okay. never going to guess this bloke. It's good old Scotty Russell from Collingwood's <sighs> 1990 Premiership team. Went on to play 198 AFL games, you know, in his first year, Scotty Russell. Can't believe I didn't get that. Oh, my God. He's like my fourth favorite player ever. Scott <laughs> Scott Russell. Scotty. His Wikipedia page. Ready for this? Scott Russell nah. is a former <laughs> Australian rules footballer who played for Collingwood and Sydney in the AFL. He played all possible 26 games in his debut season, winning a premiership medallion at the end of the year. That's it. <laughs> That's his Wikipedia page. He was never seen again. Yeah, no. I couldn't point him out in a crowd. But yeah, anyway, uh, Scotty Russell will not be playing next Saturday. Nick Dacos will. Do the Pies stand any chance at the G of taking down Geelong? If was that Cadinia Park, 
I think both of us would sway towards picking Geelong uh, pretty heavily, but I don't know. Collingwood keep getting fuck it off. done. Fuck off if they've got a chance. On the G, they need the, mm. they need the space to operate. They've been gifted uh, a final, a Geelong home game. Yeah, uh, and a way like final. I really, feel, I really feel for those crew. But the AFL wants money, and fair enough. Um, Collingwood could potentially cut Geelong up on that deck, I reckon. Stretches Tommy Stewart, stretches their midfield, mm. and uh, Collingwood just burn, burn rubber, and they go. Um, love the way Quain is playing back there. Um, might not love him from a fantasy point of view, Fry, but he's playing great footy. Dacos, those two are really orchestrating off that back half. Don't love their midfield, but somehow they just get away with having no midfield. Um, yeah, you're right. So, and they just keep getting it done. They do it in close games. As long as they're around the mark in the fourth quarter, they're dangerous. So, I would, I would even be inclined to tip Collingwood if I'm being honest. I tell you what, if Taylor Adams is healthy and he plays, I think I will tip Collingwood. Yeah. And a big factor is the fact that it's not at Cadinia Park. It's in mm. oh, huge. Melbourne. It's at the G. Like. They've just had some famous wins the last, or probably the last two months, let's say, at MCG. And they're obviously not going to be afraid. Geelong has everything to lose. Everyone expects Geelong, yeah. like they, they're on a 12-game winning streak. They're easily the finals favourites and the premiership favourites in all the betting markets. So I genuinely think Collingwood might pip them and get it done, which, I mean, I don't know if I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid or if this is a legitimate thing, but maybe... For year, for weeks, we've just been sleeping on Collingwood as a genuine threat. I know that we've mentioned them in the conversation, but yeah, I think I've actually got a bit of faith in them taking care of business against Geelong. It's scary, but uh, mm -hmm. I think I'm with you, mate. Um, yeah. All right. Next one on the Saturday, we've got or uh, well, the nightcap, essentially, Fremantle and the Dogs over at Optus. Is there any chance that the Western Bulldogs can break our hearts? Tell me there's not. Tell me Fremantle's just going to waltz to victory here and we can move on from this game preview quickly. I think they sh will and should, but the doggies have sort of done it from here before and they're a dangerous side. They've got firepower. Um, they've got the Bont, who might be the best player in the league. I think Frio has enough midfield depth to really shut the doggies midfield down. And I think around the, the rest of the ground, the Dockers have the game plan to stifle the doggies, but I would, if I was you, I'd be a little bit scared. If I, I if it was them playing West Coast, yep. I'd be a little bit worried. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that I hope the Dockers get up. I I really do. I'm not one of those uh, West Aussies who hates the Dockers. If they're not, if West mm. Coast isn't playing, if it's not a derby, I'm going for the Dockers. So, I hope you boys get up. Um, and I think you will, but little there's a there's a bit of doubt in the back of my mind. This is the final that Fremantle loses. You know, it's at home. They're fifth. <laughs> Western Bulldogs eighth. But doggies finished outside the top four. I'm pretty sure. I might have to fact check, but I'm pretty sure they finished outside the top four last season. And then obviously we all know yep. what they went on to do. Yeah, they did. They finished fifth. So yeah, they played a grandy at this ground. You know, last September. Got smoked. True, but I'm saying I think that they 
they've proved that they can, well, yeah, maybe not this grandy, but they proved last final series that they could uh, win out of Melbourne. And I reckon that this game is the, the hardest to pick out of all of them. But I agree. I think Fremantle should get the Chockeys. Don't know, though. I was surprised to learn that Richmond were favourites going into the game against Brisbane at the Gabba. The Thursday night clash. Uh, I'll take Richmond. I mean, recent form just clearly points in one team going down and one team going up, right? Yeah, Richmond have the system. They've got the veterans. They've got the maybe the best player in the league, Shea mm. Bolton. Uh, I'm definitely picking Richmond. What's Dusty's deal? Well, that is the million-dollar question. He has previously said that he can get up and he'll be okay. He had surgery not too long ago, though, so he's listed as a test, but you know, is he right? Do they potentially rest him for this week? Hope they get the job done and bring him back the week after so he's not underdone or because he's Dustin Martin, do you just throw him straight into the coal face? Yeah, don't love... Uh, look, I I put him in. It's just something... To, right? It's another thing that the the Lions have to think about and worry about. I don't love... the. I know they've got Lockie Neer in there. Don't love the Lions midfield. Um, Backline's good. Forward line's a bit iffy. I, I really think Richmond will do them in at the Gabba. And I think, I reckon it might be like a a real wake-up game of watch out, Richmond's coming. Uh, they might win by 50 points, you know. Um, sorry, Kizza, but I, <laughs> I'm absolutely all aboard the Richmond train. I reckon Richmond might win the whole thing, honestly. Yeah, okay. Sammy and uh, Kieran have talked of going to this game, which would be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh... Both the boys battle it out. If you're coaching Richmond, you've clearly just said you you play Dusty. What if he's is he fifty fifty? Do you just put him out there and just hope he can go and light it up for a bit? Yep, I think so. And if Probably. well, we saw what happened to Carlton. They didn't play Walshy. I know that he had back soreness, but yeah, you know it's a win or go home type of atmosphere. Uh, yeah, does a win? To, let's say Richmond win, and let's say it's by. Let's call it seven goals, which in a final is a lot. Does that say more about Richmond or Brisbane? Because there's some rumours around Chris Fagan and some bullshit going on, and Brisbane seem to be trending in the wrong direction. But do you think it's just that they caught or are catching the Tigers who are peaking at the right time of year? Probably says more about Brisbane. I think Brisbane needs to be worried about where they're at. Um, you know, we've we've thought for a long time that they – could do it. I tipped him for the flag at the start of the year. Uh, I think they need something else right now. A Lance Franklin type character? Sure. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. I think they need something else in their midfield as well. So whether that's Cam Rayner jumping in there or what, I don't know. But I think it says more about Brisbane. I wouldn't sack Fagan, but I would definitely look to make a big list change. It's kind. They're kind of getting to the like, this is it. Like windows yeah, maybe great. starting to close. So anyway, I'll have to wait and say whether buddy makes the trip up the highway or not remains to be seen. But the last final of the first round fixture features Sydney and the D's for mine, the best matchup. Like I said, I think the Fremantle dogs game will be the best game, but I think whichever team wins this qualifying final will win the flag. I think I've been in on Sydney all year. Uh, I'm in on the D's as premiership favorites, I think, but if the Swans can win this one so that they get their prelim in Sydney, I think they'll go all the way. So there you go. There's my pick. There's my bold, bold prediction.
Oh, I'm still not in on Sydney. Still not in on them. Don't know what it is. I probably should put more respect upon their head tops. But I just think, I think the youth is maybe scaring me off a bit. And it's not to say they can't do it. I just feel like they don't quite have the, oh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, they did a really good job. Who'd they play? Oh, they played the the Pies a few weeks ago and their game plan was yep. unbelievable and their pressure was amazing. But I feel like they lack a bit of what the Lions also lack. And it's just that dog in them. That real, and it's that that dog that they had with Jude Boltons and the Brett Kirks and the Kieran Jacks. I don't think they quite have it at the moment. That, and you know how things. That's fair. That's fair. You know how things break down in the finals. Um, do Melbourne have that? I'm not sure either, but they've they've proven that they can do it, um, and their system feels a little bit better. But I tell you what, I'm a huge John Longmire believer. Mm. And so I think he might be able to get him there. Be lovely to see Buddy win another one for the Swans. Boy, wouldn't that, that would be, be great? Nice. But yeah, I, I think Melbourne will do Sydney in pretty comprehensive. Oh man, actually, you know what? The more I think about it, maybe Sydney does have the the coaching and the game plan and some of the cattle to go with Melbourne. I still wouldn't pick them for the flag, though. I don't think. Um, yeah. Okay. Probably Fair. on the back of. Uh, Isaac Heaney letting us down so many times, uh, you know, never quite reaching who he should have been. He had a good year this year, don't get me wrong, but I I think they lack that a bit of that that dog, same as the the Lions. So I think part of the reason that a lot of people would probably not be in on the Swans is due to their history. You know, they they haven't got seemingly as many battle scars as some other teams, but I know they spent, I've just got their ladder positions up so they were 15th and 16th in 2019 and 20 so they're some of the youth you've talked about your goldens your blakeys that's where they add those picks but they were sixth last year uh and finished obviously in the top four this year like i said i reckon i'm still tipping melbourne for the record but i think if they do win they've beaten melbourne at the mcg before this season but if they do win prelim final in sydney going to be hard to beat them there so yeah i'm i'm very intrigued to see how the first week of finals unfold let's hope uh a fortnight from now when we're talking footy the Fremantle dockers season is still alive there will only be six teams left uh so we will talk more finals shit later but i reckon we start talking some basketball because there's a couple before we of... quick quickly oh, before we move on can we do... who would play who so if frio gets up who would they play they would play, I'm pretty sure, the loser of Melbourne and Sydney, which is not great. Uh, but I feel like that's better. I feel like that's better for Frio. Don't know why. I, I would, if I was them, I'd be hoping to get the Swans, personally. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, sorry, I got it wrong. So they're they're on the other yeah. side of the bracket. So they get the Collingwood Geelong loser. Not great. Not yeah, great. no. Okay. See the Collingwood okay. at the G or. Probably Geelong and Kidinia Park. If it's Fremantle, they're like, we're not getting tons of people to this game anyway. Yeah. Have your one final. Yeah, no, that's that's not great. Okay, I was hoping to go the other way. Let's go. Let's go, Frio. Give me the Swans <laughs> next year. I weirdly feel safer being on that side of the bracket. I don't know why. Maybe it's huh. because I view these two, Melbourne and Sydney, and Richmond as well as serious contenders. But yep. yeah, Geelong and Collingwood can't be overlooked. 
Either. Give me I a think... Richmond Frio granny. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, That'd be I great. Broth that. I'd be going. I'd be fucking going. That's what oh, I would I'd tell have you. to as well. Yeah, if my favourite AFL team makes a grand final, I should probably be there. Uh, That's I'd a forever to... rule. That's a forever yeah. rule. If you're if you're at our age favorite, now. Now you're now we're thirty-ish. If your favourite team makes a final, you go. No matter in, where in the world, doesn't happen. You know, as a Freo fan, it does not happen all the time. <laughs> so doesn't happen any other time. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, there's a couple of times where I've been humming and hurrying whether I should make those sporting trips. One of them was to go and watch the Cleveland Cavaliers play with LeBron in uniform, and I did, and that was epic. So exactly. Uh, Let's transition to basketball. We're covering the Central Division today, as discussed previously. Uh, some interesting teams in this division. I like it. I mean, I'm meant to not be rivals with a lot of these teams, but be rivals, you know? Like I, like you were talking about, you dislike the Timberwolves and the, I don't know, who's another team in your division that you hate? Don't like Utah. Yeah. You build okay, up those okay battle scars after regularly battling them. But, yeah, I kind of like a lot of these teams in the Central. Uh, let's start at the top. They're likable. They're likable teams. They are. First team I want to talk about is my pick for the number one seed out east. Okay. Uh, they did not go or undergo a lot of roster changeover, turmoil, if you want to call it that. Uh, they didn't have Chris Middleton healthy in the finals against mm. Boston. Did they lose to Boston or Miami? Feels like months ago. Regardless, they lost. Yeah, it does. So <laughs> again, they didn't go undergo a lot of change. They brought Joey Ingles in, who adds a bit of experience, but you know, is he going to play? He's on one leg, making minutes probably not. Uh, what do you reckon? We talked a bit about Boston a couple of weeks ago, potentially making a surge towards being an East contender. We talked a little bit about other teams in the past, but do you think it's Milwaukee's Eastern Conference to lose? Absolutely. They did exactly what they needed to do in the off-season and just keep kept everyone, mm. more or less. Um, Milwaukee's also one of those unique teams, and maybe the Nuggets are getting to that point where you're, you're a perpetual contender, middle of the year, you'll pick up someone at the trade deadline who adds a fair bit, who's just wasting away on the paces or the the Bobcats. Yeah. And they'll also be able to sign, you know, it might be the backup center or defensive-minded bloke who's just kind of on the scrap heap. Um, and people, players will want to go there, might sign a couple of 10 days and then lock them up. Um, so they're a buyout destination I, as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. So I think they did what they need to do. Um, Drew Holiday's pretty old, um, but I think they would have got there had Middleton been playing. And I think Giannis is the best player in the world. So I'll definitely, um, I'll definitely roll with the Bucks as the number one seed and the the team to beat out east quite quite comprehensively in my mind. They may not finish at the top of the East. It's obvious it's uh, <clears throat> happened in seasons past when they've rolled in and, you know, maybe they'll win 54 games and be the third seed. But I still think they're the team to beat when it gets playoff time. Uh, I'll tell you Definitely. what, this team probably won't feature in the playoffs, but I'm expecting a massive 
leap from the Detroit Pistons this year. I've already made that call once with the Toronto Raptors. Maybe they'll go from seventh up to the top four, but I would not be shocked if Detroit's in a playing position this year. They've added some really good talent to their roster, obviously in the form of young guys like Jaden Ivey, who they took fifth overall. Some people think he's the best bloke in the draft period. Does it easily look like the best draft uh, guard prospect rather? Jalen Duran might've been the best center prospect in the draft. So they hit potential home runs on both of them. Got to see him on the court, obviously, but they added other pieces as well. Like they got Alec Burks, they got Nerlens Noel and they got Kemba Walker, who are just dudes that don't suck. They still might be below 500. They might only win 38 teams, but to be in the East, you know, nine to 10 range, they don't have to be 40 win plus teams. So what do you reckon? Am I, am I buying too much? Piston stock, or do you could you see a huge leap from them? Added Kevin Knox mm. as well, who I know I I know you love. Yeah, I like Kevin Knox. I don't know if I'm buying a huge leap from him this year. I really love Cade Cunningham and what he offers on the court. He he played a, an unbelievably good game against the Nuggets. I think we still got the win, but boy, he pushed us. Um, I like what he does. I think he's just going to come back that much better. I do like Ivy. I do like that they've added some pretty interesting veterans. I think that's important. Um, but I think the big thing for them was taking flyers on draft picks, high draft picks that have missed and have sort of moved out. Marvin Bagley's, the Kevin Knoxes. Yep. I think taking punts on those sort of guys um, – is what you need to do when you're in the Pistons position. They've probably got enough of the the top-end draft talent to roll forward from here. And if a Kevin Knox or a Marvin Bagley, and Bagley's the big one for me. If he can, uh, he's shown flat enough flashes. Number two he's got big. the body. Oh, bloody oath. Like, he was unreal at Duke. Um, so I think, I think they've done exactly what they needed to do. Who's their GM? Do you know? Any idea? Uh, good question. Yeah, it doesn't matter anyway, but I think they, they've done a really good job. Um, and yeah, I, I think they will do well. I don't think they'll make a huge leap. Um, but boy, they're going to be fun to watch. They, them and hmm. I reckon OKC are going to be such fun team to watch, teams to watch this year. They'll be right up the top of my league pass uh, teams uh, other than the Nuggets that I want to yep, watch. fair. Uh, I'm lucky I didn't go with my gut because I thought it was Sean Weaver. Uh, it's Troy Weaver, which actually sounds much more memorable. But yeah, yep. Dwayne Casey is the coach. He's no scrub as well. Great uh, coach. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we might have to do a a preseason over under podcast. I know Bill Simmons does it where he looks at the projected win total because I had a little bit of a squiz today. Detroit's projected to win 29 or 28 and a half games. And I'm like, they're better than that. Surely they could you know, closer to 35, 40. But what they win this year, do you know? 23. Oh, I don't know if I'd put a much. Jump. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if they're going to get too much more than that, to be honest. We'll they got a lot of teams, pieces obviously. to integrate. Yeah, fair. Have to see which pieces obviously get worse. Uh, the 46 and 36 Chicago Bulls will probably not get worse. They'll probably still be right up there in playoff contention. Six seed last year. Do they finish higher or lower than six rolling into the next season? Because they didn't 
undergo shitload of changes. They added Dragic. They added Drummond. Obviously, they had their health issues last year. I don't think Vucevic missed time, but I swear he was banged up. Or am I just imagining that? Uh, you might be imagining that. Yeah. Um, well, Lonzo missed a bit of time. Pat Williams was obviously out for months. So I know you were high on their potentially uh, potential on the defensive end. So, yeah, do you reckon they can go above six this year or are they still in that spot? I could see them out playing the sixes. I could see them outplaying the Raptors. Do I think that? I think the Raptors will jump as well. I'm sure we talked about that a few weeks ago. Mm. But I could see them beating them. Fuck knows what's going. Like the Heat, you never know what you're going to get. Um, it's usually a top four seed, but I could see them falling off. Um, it would take a lot of things going right. It would take them being very healthy. But I like what Pat Williams does have to offer. Kobe White stayed, didn't he? Yep. I think that's huge. I love what Caruso and Lonzo offer it as a defensive backcourt. Um, and honestly, for the start of his career, that's what DeMar was as well, was an elite defender. Tony Bradley I like. Um, oh, no, sorry. I was thinking Tony someone else, um, the Florida guy. Never mind. Um, but I do like what they've got. Dre Drummond kind of fits. Zach Levine coming back. Oh, and Desomnu was had a good sort of year last year. Might Did, sort of yeah. be a really interesting riser. So uh, I would be, I wouldn't be willing to say I think it'll happen, but it's definitely a possibility that they do better than sixth. Um, but it's all health dependent for them. Very in all honesty, so. yep. Yeah, I think the Lonzo Ball health chip is a huge one hanging over their hmm. ceiling. Uh, I don't expect DeMar to play as well as he did last year either. He may still be your 25 point per game scorer and Zach Levine might still give you 24 and a healthy Pat pretty Williams good. does help as well. You're right. It was pretty good, but yeah, I don't know. There was something about him last year. I just didn't fully endorse. Uh, and obviously Injuries kind of played into my hand, but I they just lack, I guess, an all NBA threat in the back of my mind. Like they don't have a dude. DeRozan didn't make it last year and he was in the MVP conversation. Oh no, he did. Sorry. Didn't he? He would have. He surely yeah. would have. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, regardless, I don't think anyone would assume that he's a top 15 player in the league, right? Like he's still up there in age. He's getting into his mid thirties. I think yeah. we got his best season of his career last year. Um, he did make an all NBA team. Yeah. I thought he might. He made the second team. So he's got that sort of game that ages well. Does the way Kobe's did. Mid range guy, got a lot of the tricks. I hear what you're saying though. I definitely hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um I, and that's why I'm not saying lock him in for a top four, but they could ah, they really could. Their defense was Phenomenal at the start mm. of the season. I could see if they stay healthy, that's a problem. And that's playoff basketball. So if they make it, they could make it a long way. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They're a they're a threat given the right uh, circumstance. I don't think it's fair to say uh that the Indiana Pacers would be a threat next oh, year. No. They are probably uh primed to be the Orlando Magic of a year ago. I think they've gone undergone huge turnover. There's still actually quite a few pieces on their roster that I like, but yeah, 
you know, I'm just looking at the the things they've lost. There's like six or seven names there, and then there's six or seven coming in as well. So a lot of change. It's um oh, what's the coach's name? Not Rick Adelman. Can't Former Dallas there. dude. Carlo. Carlo. Rick Carlo's second year there. So mm. I still think that they will be near the bottom of the East. And let's be honest, if you can be in the mix to try and get Victor Wemanyama or Scoot Henderson or some of these other dudes we've alluded to slightly, you do it, right? They've got a future cornerstone in Tyrese Halliburton. The rest of their roster, take it or leave it. I mean, there are some solid picks. The Matherin kid that they drafted six overall looks good. Looks like a good wing yeah. player, but... Yeah, this is a building year for the Pacers in my eyes. Yeah, I'm all aboard that train. That's for sure. I like Jalen Smith. I like that they just grabbed him from Phoenix yeah. for nothing. Sneaky steal. Um, but I, I definitely agree with you. It's it's the year that they get as many reps in to Tyrese Halliburton as the start. You want to give him nearly 40 minutes a game, in my mind, this year, while his body can handle it. I like Chris... Chris Duarte, um, and that's about it, if I'm being honest. Um, Do Miles Turner cool. and Buddy Heald play out the year on the paces, or are they valuable trade pieces, you reckon, to fetch future picks or something? Yeah, I, I would say that's probably more the route they go down, mm. especially because they got Tice. They've got Jalen Smith. They want, might want to get minutes into at the center position. So Miles Turner's probably expendable especially now he's shooting threes and stuff um yep. buddy healed yeah he i mean he's so valuable for a contending team like if the nuggets had buddy healed i'd feel fucking huge, amazing right? so um it's a, a huge growing uh yeah growth year for them o'shea brissett um brissett i've quite liked when i've watched mm. him play but yeah that's my fair. god outside of that what what, what is there there's Oof. nothing. Yeah. All right. Last team in the division. I'm very high on uh, the potential for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Calm the wine. wine and gold. Yep. Uh, everyone's a big fan of wine. And what better color to couple it with than some gold? Do they win more than yes. 44 games next year? That's how many they won last season. Do they go over or under? They've got a funny division. They're going to have to be sort of tough, Mm. you feel like. Pesky. Um, So they might get to just 50. They might just get there. I don't know if that's answering the question. Um, Well, that is over 44 when I went to school, so it does. Oh, sorry, I think you said over 50. Yeah, 50. I'll give them 50. I reckon they go somewhere in the middle. I reckon they do a bull season of last year and they get themselves into the top six or they're right on the cusp of being the last team out. Maybe they're seven or eight and they go into the play-in again, which I wouldn't be unhappy with. The Colin Sexton situation, I'm weirdly actually glad that the Cavs have kind of taken this approach. He's been like, oh, I'm worth this much. And they're like, mm, we don't think you are. He's like, yeah, I am. And they're like, well, go get it then. And he hasn't. So I still think he'll come back. Probably on a mm. reduced deal, maybe on the qualifying, whatever. I've been talking about how I think he may be detrimental to what the Cavs are trying to build anyway. But, you know, he's a near 20, mm. 20 plus per game scorer. So I don't want to just see him walk for nothing. Uh, 
Ricky we Rubio. thought Kevin Love was detrimental. Facts. Yep. Fair argument. Uh, their ins in the offseason include Ricky Rubio, Robin Lopez, and Raul Neto, which may be the most Cleveland Cavalier sentence I've ever said. So yeah. I don't think any of them. Ricky's handy. Cool to have him back, but I don't think they're moving the needle a lot. So I Who's think they got to go Ricky through. Back? Where, where did Ricky go? So he was part of the Cleveland Cavaliers, hurt his knee. Yeah. Got traded yeah. to Indiana as part of the Karis Levert deal, then got instantly uh, bought out, and uh, they re-signed him. You beauty. Yeah. That's great. Score. I didn't realize he, I thought he sat on the sidelines for the year. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, they uh, re-signed him. So, yeah, look, do they have enough to challenge? It's a bit similar, I guess, with the Chicago Bulls. Who's going to make an all-NBA team for this Cavaliers squad? I don't think Darius is going to pop off that much. I don't think Jared Allen's going to do it or Evan Mobley yet, but there's pieces there that I like and I'm encouraged by. So getting towards 50 wins wouldn't utterly shock me. I think they play the right way. Um, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, you're right. Uh, I don't know why I thought they'd be so much better looking at their roster. I did, it's they're just hoping for more growth. And you know what? If Colin comes back and plays the right way and plays the right role, then there's no reason he couldn't do it. Is it still Bickerstaff there? Yep. Same coach. I feel like he's a real players coach. I feel like he manages Agreed. players yep. well. Um, pretty hard for him to manage Colin this year. Didn't play, really. So I reckon you guys. Colin could be a huge injection. He could also be a detriment to the locker room and and sort of keep you where you are. But luckily, that's all it's going to be. I reckon that might be where the growth comes from. A near all-star scorer um, who, you know, he needs the ball a lot. But if he falls in line, I like Karis LeVert. Darius Garland's awesome. He's one of those... There's nothing better than a point guard who passes... I fucking love that. Yeah. You and, I, both, and the mate. other the other yeah, the other guy who I think could put you over the edge, and this is a big if, but if Okoro can get his offensive yeah, game together true. a bit, um, I've always really liked him as a player. So he's a great cutter. He works the baseline well. If he can start hitting shots. He's a great defensive like He's an unbelievably good defensive player. He mm. might be the guy who puts you over the edge as well. Um, but, yeah, I think you guys maybe get to 50 wins. Boy, it's a – the top of the East is tough, though. Yeah, I think – well, not even the top of the East. I reckon outside of the top two or three, depending on where you rank Miami, I reckon after that you can just throw a blanket over a lot of teams. It should, it should sure. be interesting to see – who's in the play-in, who's out of the play-in. Uh, we obviously heard today as well that Kevin Durant's going back to Brooklyn, back to Brooklyn, considering he was already on their roster. So, you know, mm. maybe they'll be up there. Let's, uh, see that let's wait last. and see, right? Yeah, we'll exactly. We've got, we got one division left uh, that we'll cover next week in the Southwest Division. But, yeah, I'll be intrigued to see how some of these players fall. Will Giannis be able to challenge for another MVP? He's already got a couple. Uh, probably deserved to be in the mix last year. Lost to two-time GOAT Nikola Jokic. And I think MVP discussion, it's at, it's at the appropriate point. We've got about two months before the season's going to start. There's going to be nothing to talk about 
for an extended period of time coming up. So let's project ahead and have a look at the MVP candidates for today's Mount Rushmore. Uh, we've go. had some good ones the last couple of weeks. Uh, the Port Adelaide yeah. one, you know, was on on brand with Robbie Gray retiring, but take it or leave it. The Kobe one might still be my favorite all time, but definitely today that's easily my favorite. Yeah, today we're drafting MVP candidates for the season ahead, and I think this will be just good to reflect on around All Star break, maybe even the end of the season when the awards are done and dusted. So, uh, as I've informed you, I got another win. It's nine to five in the head to head. So you have the first pick. And I'm very, very intrigued to see which direction you go in. Yeah, there's some pretty good options at the top of the, the list. You're not wrong. Uh, look, we've already discussed this. Actually, you know, we didn't really discuss this bloke. Discussed his team. I'm going to take Giannis. I think mm-hmm. he could have very... He got sort of close last year. I think people are... They got a bit fatigued. At voting for him. We're two years removed now. He's still the best player in the league. Mm, yeah, I'll, I'll go so far as to say that. I agree. Uh, I'm going to take Giannis because I think he's just getting better. He's going out for Greece and just smashing dudes. I think they're going to, we're picking him to finish top of the East. That's a huge boost. So I'll take Giannis number one. Um, and boy, wouldn't that, and I, I guess I also go for those crew. I guess Jokic and I Luca's probably another one of the blokes who could, if he if they win a few more, Luca needs to win his first. But if Luca wins three MVPs in the next five years, we're kind of like this guy could be the goat. Like he's on yeah. track. So I just like I like that if Giannis won another one, if he won another chip, we would very seriously be talking about like this guy's like a top ten player all time already. And like he's got a long way to go. He's changing the game. No one's ever played it the way he has, really. So I'll take Giannis. Um, and a, a lot of that's for narrative. I've got to be honest. Yeah, look, three MVPs and two chips. Projecting forward, if he was to do that, it's a pretty fucking unreal resume early. Uh, damn it! I was kind of hoping I could get Giannis with my first pick. He would just okay. let him slip. Uh, he would have been my number one. And I think the only reason I'm not picking the two-time winner is because of what you said, the narrative. Bit of that voter fatigue. Uh, Does that mean that he doesn't deserve to go here? Probably not. But I think the sexy pick for MVP this year is probably to go for Luka Doncic, who's been ascending as a superstar. He had a bit of a coming-out party, let's call it, in the playoffs. Had his moments. Uh, And... You know, he's playing basketball all off-season, which I'm sure he was doing before, but playing with Slovenia, I think there's a lot made about Luca's first month the last couple of seasons when he's been like, oh, is he like still in off-season mode? He's just been drinking iced tea and fucking around. But I think if he's coming off playing with Slovenia, repping them at Eurobasket, I think he's going to be in really good shape. And I think okay. he is probably one of the odds on favorites, if not the favorite. And I think for deserving he is the, the favorite. I did look earlier. Sports bets got him number one. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not exactly shocked on the world by picking Luca here. And I was tempted to pick uh, a Denver nugget, but yeah, no, nah, I'm taking Luca. 
the the worry with Luca is does he get the wins? Yeah, I feel like in recent times the wins has been important, but since the Russell Westbrook MVP win, I feel like that's become a bit of a lesser valued stat, if you know what I mean. Like Nikola Jokic wasn't a one seed last year. But he had like a historic year. Yeah, and Luca May as well. He might go 30, 10, yeah. 10. You never know. I, th- I I do feel like the something in, in me reckons that the the narrative is swinging back to wins after what's happened in the yeah, last okay. two years with Jokic. I think people will reward that the higher um, seeds. Um, yep. And that, like, you know, do, uh, Booker sort of got a fair bit of love just for that this year. Uh, so anyway, we'll move on. But uh, Luca was my second, but I would worry about his winnings. Um, number three, I'll take him. No worries. Two-time MVP, back-to-back. Would would he be the first three straight MVP winner? No, nah, I'm Kareem sure he's not. But uh, uh, as you give the case, I'll get I'll get the facts up. Uh, going back to the wins, then I think it's very possible that the Nuggets go ahead and claim a top two seed in the West. Mm-hmm. It's I don't expect uh, Jokic to do anything less than he did last year, and if he does, his scoring might dip. His rebounding will probably go up, but if he can manage well actually that would be him average i'm just going to say average 10 assists at the center position (laughs) i think that would be really hard to ignore and with the blokes he's getting back with the shooters they've added with the defensive players that they've added on their bench uh i i think it's very possibly averages 10 assists and that would be really hard to ignore ignore if he was a top two seed so i'll take Jokic, um and i feel good that i've got him on my list because he's yeah. probably my favorite player. When I realized you had pick one, I did think uh, he's probably going to get two of Luca, Jokic, and Giannis, which I think might be yeah. the top three picks for fantasy drafts as well, which uh, oh, we'll yeah. allude to close to the season. Uh, so Jokic, obviously, back to back the two years before that. Giannis back to back. Curry went back to back. LeBron went back to back twice. Nash, Duncan. MJ, Magic. Last person to win three in a row was Larry Bird in the mid-80s. So okay. the only other two to do that are Bill Russell and Wilt. So if Jokic okay. does win it, then, you know, he's, he's in pretty rare company. Not that he isn't okay. already. Uh, all right. This is tough because there's mm. a couple of ways I want to go with this pick. I can't uh, wait to see where you go. This is a little cool. bit, I feel like there's a little bit of a drop-off, fair to say, between... These three. I think Giannis is a clear number one, honestly. So I think yeah. after Giannis, it's it's any man's game. And I think I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna vote with a bloke who finished runner up the last two years, and that probably means that I may lose the Instagram graphic draft, but that's okay because I think the right pick here is to take Joel Embiid. Don't know what James Harden's gonna do, but. In the Philly preview that we did not too long ago, we talked about how Embiid has played more and more games each year and he's right in the mix. So they'll probably win enough games. They'll be in a 50-55 win mark. So I think that Joel Embiid is going to be right up there in the MVP discussion, providing he stays on the court, which 
He's shown he can the last few seasons. So there's some risk involved. But yeah, Joel Embiid, pick number four. Well, he was my five. So I'm okay with you taking him. I definitely, if he was still, if it, if I was the second pick, I would have taken him there probably as well. Yep. yep. He's a nice safe pick because I think people will pity him. Not me though. Um, so with my fifth pick, which is what I who I would have taken with the fourth pick, I'm taking the claw, baby. Kawhi's oh, back. I'm yeah. taking Kawhi Leonard. They're gonna he win was a next ton of games. They're gonna win a ton of games. We don't know what we're gonna get from him, but I think their win total alone and the jump that they're gonna make, everyone will be like, look how much better they were. And it, it's because Kawhi's back. Kawhi Leonard is definitely my third pick. Twenty to one to win the MVP on betting markets. Uh does he play enough games? I guess that's the question. Yeah, that is tough. Uh I think so. I think he does. I think he's gonna be square in the mix. Sixty, sixty five. That'll get yeah. you there. Providing he does that, he'll be a genuine contender. Uh this bloke might be being a bit overlooked. You know, it I'm taking him sixth overall. He just came off a finals MVP. They're still going to win a shitload of games. He's won the award previously. You know, if there is a bit of voter fatigue and they want to go back to a fan favorite, Steph Curry could be in the MVP mix uh, and probably will be providing once again, he stays on the court. Cause I think golden state's going to have a very similar core. They're not going to blow it up mid season and try and trade for a star. They're going to double down around clay, Draymond, Steph. And I would, you know, he had a ripper year last year, broke the all time record for threes. So I think we're in for some more Steph heroics and he's uh, my third pick. Yep. If you didn't pick him, I would have picked him. Yep. Um, so I love that. I think they win plenty of games. He's a lovable guy. Great bloke. Yeah. 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 Yep. I would have picked him. Um, I'll move on though. Um, <laughs> my last pick. He's not on the board. And boy, there's, yeah, boy, there's a, uh, this is a, a, tumultuous mm. pick, but I've got to take best available if I'm being honest. And the fact that this bloke gets to pick seven yeah. is uh, is nasty. I'm going to take the Durantula, the yeah, Slim Reaper, because let's be honest, there's every chance if he goes, all right, I'll play. Fine, I'll play. I'll play with uh, Kyrie. Is ben Simmons is still there, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think so. I see that many. <laughs> I see so many like Instagram potential trades. I'm like, has that happened or am I? Anyway, <laughs> they're still he's still there. So there's every chance he comes out and goes, "Fuck you all! Nuclear. Remember who I am." Yep. I feel like he. I feel like there's a bit of that in him at the moment, and so he might just average 38 points next year. I'm serious. Would not shock me if KD went full John Wick and just reannounced yep. himself to the league. I think that's a yeah. That's a good analogy. Uh, I was going to take him instead of Curry, but I thought, yeah, look, I'm looking at your four. That's a pretty good fucking group. But I, I toyed up, had a couple of blokes in this spot because I knew I was drafting last. I knew that a yeah. couple of these big names are going to be gone. You could throw a dart at like a Jar Morant. I don't think so. I think it's too much too early. Booker, I think that they'll take a bit of a slip. And obviously Chris Paul will get a little bit of shine. Anthony Davis intrigued me as well. And he might be someone yeah. that I have a long shot bet on along with Kawhi, but 
I think I'm just going to go with a bit of a boring pick and go Jason Tatum and yeah. just hope that Boston wins a shitload of regular season games, maybe pushes 60 and he averages 28. That's the path to him winning it. If you didn't take KD, I would have, but I think Tatum's probably the best chance left on the board. Yeah, this is not the place for long shots, is it? So nah. that's a great pick. Um, yeah, I had Tatum next, Jar as my eighth. Although Steph was sitting ninth and I was just going to plug him in as I felt appropriate. Yeah. So we picked all the blokes. Um, honorable mentions, you got any? Uh, Trey Young, yeah, maybe? Evan Mobley could might get be better. up there, you know. <laughs> yeah. The other one that um, I really think could... No, I don't really think it could happen because I would have picked him on this list. But, man, if Zion comes back in the yeah, right shape. I was just about to say him. Like, there's he averaged, what, 26 that year he was an all-star, maybe closer to 27. He's got yep. a pretty good supporting cast all of a sudden. I like Jonesy. Is that Herb Jones? Herb, yep. Yeah, I like um, Valanchunas on that list. Like Their roster is pretty good. And if he comes back and just goes... Here's 30 points. They could win a lot of games. They've got a, a sort of, we'll talk about next week, kind of a weak division that mm. they have to get through. And so I reckon Zion is a sneaky, sneaky chance to win MVP. Yeah, don't hate it. Uh, much like Kawhi, his odds are pretty lengthy. You can get some bang for your buck, 26 to 1. Yeah. So, yeah, I like it. Hey, another good Mount Rushmore. I think it's weird. I feel like... The five, now maybe six that I've lost. I feel like I know at the end of each draft that I've lost it. So <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Maybe uh, maybe after I put the polls up, things will differ. But yeah, we're obviously a couple of months away from finding out which of these blokes are going to contend for MVP. Like I said, I uh, don't think we'll be doing a sports pod next week. There's some coaching uh, obligations. But yeah, we'll get back in the saddle mid-September, discuss some footy, discuss some finals footy, and we may even do a bit of a Brownlow preview. We'll nearly be at that point, eh? I'll I'll do a solo, a solo Wednesday sit down. <laughs> let's launch it. Did you? Hey, when's the last time you did that sports by fry pod? Fry. Oh, I haven't done it in ages. It's actually just JLo's stream now. Eh? Fans <laughs> love it. All right. Thanks for joining, mate. I'll uh, catch you a fortnight from now. See you then, mate. I'll give you a buzz, eh? Sure, man.